Okay, Sarah Asakovich, how are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Brett. Thanks for having me. Um, all right. Tell everybody where you are right now. I'm in Slovenia. Um, my hometown is Blade, Lake Blade. If some people come here because it's a famous uh, tourist destination, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Awesome. Back awesome. home. Yeah. Well, I've been doing some research on you today, and one of the things that came up was a TED talk that you did. I'm going to start with this. You did a TED TEDx talk, actually, TEDx talk, and uh, for somebody that is an Olympic swimmer, an Olympic medalist, um, you know, had a lot of success in the pool. It was interesting. The topic of your TED talk was actually, do pilots need mental training? And after listening to it, it made a lot of sense. Why was that the topic of discussion for your TEDx talk? Yeah, because uh, I uh, I did my master's in performance psychology and my master's thesis was on the topic of mental training in aviation. My dad is a pilot. My brother is a pilot. Um, my grandparents in Belgrade and all my uncles. Um, so I have this love for aviation. My mom was a flight attendant. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, my, my dad isn't uh, just a pilot. He's an examiner and an instructor in the simulator training. So every single time he came home from work, um, we would talk about the mental readiness of pilots in whether in a cockpit or a simulator exam. So um, how pilots choke under pressure when, or, or not just under pressure, but under extreme stress um, and how important it is to train the brain um, ahead of time so that um, you mitigate those human errors, which um, can also lead in aviation to very um, horrifying things. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. said you said on the talk that kind of eighty percent of all crashes are kind of human error. And and I'll be honest with you, I'm gonna I'm gonna be straight up with you, okay? So every time I get on a plane, I honestly think to myself, this is it. This is the last. This is my last flight. I'm I'm done. You know because no, like every come time on, you're safer <laughs> than in a car. I guess so. But every time you yeah. strap in, at least in a car, you feel like maybe not if you're in the passenger side, but if you're in the driver's side, you have some control. But yeah. in, in the plane, when I strap in and I'm up in the air, that's it. Like there's nothing I can do after that. Like if it's going down, it's going down, and I can't stop it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sure. Um, I mean, I guess that's just a good way to put it, but um, you have to know that you're very safe up in the air and pilots are very well trained and um, it's very unlikely that something is going to happen. And even if it does, um, yeah, pilots do know how to react in those kind of situations. Um, yeah. yeah. Don't yeah, worry. Well, I listen after us and listening to your TEDx talk, it did give me more hope actually, because you sure. you made a lot of sense. I mean, in terms of their their training, their preparation, and their readiness, it's just like an Olympic athlete. You know, there's no yeah. way that you're not going to trust an Olympic athlete necessarily go out there and absolutely bomb. Most of the time, they're going to go out and be pretty successful, based on all their training and based on their readiness, things like that. So. Um, that kind of leads me back to you a little bit. I mean, you are a successful Olympic athlete. So congratulations on that. Um, outstanding Thank work. You. Uh, you, you went to three Olympics and you had three kind of separate experiences. Uh, you went to Athens. I was in Athens with you and I, I had an experience there myself. I was in, I was actually in all of them. I was in Beijing and one of my athletes won a gold medal and, and that was where you were very successful. And then London. Uh, itself. So in terms of the three experiences you had, just talk me through each one of those three. 
Yeah, sure. Well, well, in Athens, I was 16, and it was just kind of a dream come true for me to participate at, at, in, in Athens Olympics. Um, I have to say that going into um, Athens, I think I had around fifth or sixth time in the world. Uh, a month earlier at European Juniors, I swam 159.6. Um, so if I would repeat that time in Athens, I would have been actually fifth or sixth. Um, but unfortunately, I choked under pressure and um, I ended up being, I think, uh, 17th or so. I just missed the semis. Um, but I swam 201 back then. Um, yeah. What do you mean but you choked was... under pressure at that point? I mean, you're 16 and that's normal to even say that. But like, what does that mean for you at that point in time? Yeah, well, so um, I was so overwhelmed by the fact that I'm swimming with all these superstars. Right. Um, I I thought about everything else but swimming. I wanted to take photos with everyone. Um, and somehow when I got to the blocks, I, I just felt very tight. Um, and I just didn't execute the race that I was supposed to. I didn't swim my own race. Um, my head definitely wasn't in place. Um, Had you but, done any preparation work at that point? I mean, yeah. obviously, physically, they're getting you ready, but had anyone walked yeah. you through kind of those feelings and emotions you might feel when, when you're in that moment? No, definitely not. It was one of, you know, those biggest competitions that I attended. I was before that moment, I wasn't even at, um, you know, no, actually, I was. I was at Europeans, mm -hmm. I think, that same year. But it's kind of like, it's a different level. I mean, mm. for me, um, dreaming of Olympics since I was 12 and then actually being there uh, was was everything I wanted to achieve. And then I guess I just came in with the attitude, oh, like I'm here, I've done it, you know. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really thinking of the next step. Hey, can I actually make something happen here? Um, and I guess the results, yeah, show that. And, and that's not really a fault of your coaches either. Was it the first time they had been in that? situation or had they been to an olympics prior no also my coach um, actually took if i'm not mistaken four swimmers um to athens it was everyone's first time at olympics right. um and uh we just don't have this culture in slovenia where uh you know you work with a sports psychologist so i think well it was after i was 16 that we were introduced to um a little bit of mental training but um, that's it. Yeah. No one really talked to us about anything. It's kind of <laughs> like, go there, figure it out. Yeah. And, and listen, I, I will say this. The reason why we are going to be talking heavily about the mental side of things is because you have actually written your own book, which is outstanding. And it's kind of the thing yeah. that introduced me to you a little bit. There it is. So Between Two Lanes is the name of the book. Um mental training program for swimmers now the reason i think this is outstanding I, I honestly do and i told you this off camera the reason why i love this book is because it's laid out very simply it's really easy to read but it gives you everything you need and it breaks it down into um, workable action plans and things that you can work through consistently over a five-week period and i actually love the way that you've broken up the chapters as well um, it, the, the first week is breath awareness, which is, is vital. We're going to go into all these things in more detail. Week two is thoughts and emotions. Again, these are things that probably aren't being addressed in Athens for you as a 16 year old, you know, the, the physicality is being addressed, but the thoughts and emotions aren't at that point. 
And then week three is the, the body awareness. And this is crucial for me too. I've had experiences as an athlete and, and with athletes on this topic. And I want to dive deeper into this. Uh, the attitude awareness on week four. And then uh, you talk about stream the dream in, in week five. But like I said, it's just kind of really well done. Um, so in terms of the book itself, yeah. you know, you studied, you studied this in college, but what led you to actually putting a book together? Yeah. Um, so I did uh, study psychology uh, in Berkeley, and then I went on to doing my master's degree in performance psychology. And um, uh, I have to say that after Berkeley, I also did brain research in San Diego, where we explored uh, brain mechanisms of resilience in U.S. Navy SEALs, Marines, Olympic athletes. And we were looking at what makes someone resilient to stress um, on the brain level, st structurally and functionally speaking, and how can someone build that resilience and train and train it, of course. Um, and we worked uh, with uh, mindfulness training skills. So we did mindfulness training with, um, with athletes, with Navy SEALs, Marines. And we were looking at how, how after an eight week uh, mental training program, which was all eight, week of, eight weeks of mindfulness, um, those individuals actually changed the structure and function of their brain and were a lot more resilient under stress um, after that eight-week period. So I had, I had a little bit of insight into, into psychology and then the actual brain training, looking at it. I mean, the functional magnetic resonance imaging showed it all. And I was really wowed by the fact that you can really train your brain and make it more resilient. And then I went into studying performance psychology and I, and I thought, wow, okay, now I know even more. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, and then what happened next? Yeah, and then I went to Dubai and started working with pilots. And then I went to Norway and prepared for Norwegian girls to row across the Atlantic. So I had I had the, the the knowledge, the education, I had the practical experience. And then I thought, okay, wow, I have all this material. Why not put it together into a book? Um, actually, it's a program, right? So this yep. is the material, but. Um, the whole program includes mental training recordings, which are the most important part of, of the program. So this is the book. It's great. Read the material. It's very useful and practical, just like you said. Um, but the actual training is uh, mindfulness training and visualizing skills. Um, so yeah, so then I was like, there is, there, we don't, swimmers really don't have it. I mean, it doesn't exist out there. Mm -mm. Uh, we don't talk about it enough. Uh, coaches need the material because they want resilient athletes. Uh, even parents, I mean, parents would like uh, their, you know, their their kids to not only be successful swimmers but be healthy and happy. Um, and swimmers themselves want to suffer a little bit less. And I know myself <laughs> as a swimmer, it was a lot of suffering. And um, if I didn't uh, purposefully train my brain going from Athens to Beijing um, and actually commit to it just like the physical training, I wouldn't have achieved the success that I did. Yeah. Well, like I said, I was going through it in quite detail. And I'm like, thank God there's something for swimmers. And I'm glad you said program for swimmers. It's very specific here, but it's really open to anybody in any sport, but uh, yeah. you have labeled yeah. it for swimmers. And I think this is vital for there's nothing out there that I've seen and people are always asking me, what can I do? What kind of program can I take? And I've really had nothing to, 
reference and and now we do which is excellent vasa has been the go-to training tool outside of the pool for over 30 years vasa's products are ideal for developing power and proper technique in your swimmers catch add a few vasa trainers to your pool deck and it's like adding an extra lane to your swimming pool go to vasatrainer.com use code bread at checkout and get 10 percent off anything from vasa Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, at checkout. Destromachines.com. Um, one of the things that, as I was reading it, I wrote down here, um, why do we commonly think negative thoughts in stressful situations? What do you think the answer to that is? Yeah, that's a perfect question. I mean, um, it's very well known that when when we're exposed to stress, our brain goes into this survival mode and the um, survival instinct and mechanism turns on where um, all your energy is geared towards um, how can I get away from this stressful situation? And the way the mind then constructs um, this danger is... It, it bombards you with negative thoughts and um, it, it does everything in its own power to move you away from that threat, that danger, that discomfort, um, mm. something that's unknown. And um, people aren't really aware that, you know, those thoughts are simply, sim they're a symptom of stress. Mm. They're not necessarily real. Um, actually, okay, let's put it that way. They are real because they kind of exist. You, you notice them, but they're not necessarily true. Mm. Um, so what happens is our minds get bombarded with all these different kinds of thoughts. I can't do this. This is too hard. I'm in pain. That's not fair. Why today? Yesterday was difficult. Um, I thought today was going to be easy. Um, I don't want to swim fly. Can I do breast? Can I do this? Um, right. So we're just bombarded with millions of different kinds of thoughts, excuses, complaints, uh, which want to move us away from this um, one, mm. one perceived danger, right? right. Um, and then, of course, thoughts uh, impact the way we feel. Anxiety arises, sometimes um, sadness, sometimes anger. I used to cry. I used to cry so much. You can you can call my coach, ask him. But as soon as he said uh, 2100 2100's kick on two minutes, it was just uh, I started crying, bawling to an extent where I couldn't breathe, and I I basically just made the first hundred kick interval. I went 159. And then I would I would cry the rest of the 19100. So you just basically um, wrote this program for yourself. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, it was just in the kick set. Yeah, yeah, no. Set. I'm the same. Uh, but yeah, um, so right, so it's about, um, what was I going to say? Yeah. So uh, I'll tell you a couple of experiences then. And, and I want to talk, obviously, about Beijing, where you had success. And I, and I watched that race today. It was phenomenal, by the way. I don't know how you... You gave her so much room at the hundred. Anyway, we're going to talk about this, but um, at the Sydney Olympics, right? It was my home Olympics, and I had prepared mentally. I was twenty-five years old, so I was not a child, but um, it was my first Olympics. But I had prepared physically, mentally, for everything. I thought until I walked out from the the morning ready room, you know, where everybody gets in, they check your name off for the prelims. 
and everybody's in. I'm doing pretty good. I'm fine. But the moment we walk out into the crowd and it's a home crowd, it's my hometown, Sydney, Australia, there's 17,000 people in the stands and they see my cap for the first time. And any, any time there's an Australian that walks out, they just go bananas. They go mental. And it took my breath away. And, and from that moment on from, and I was in the 53. So you had to walk down the other end of the pool. And as I'm walking down, the, the further I walked, the less and less I could feel my body. It was almost like I was having an out of body experience. I couldn't, I couldn't feel my limbs. I'm walking, but I couldn't feel myself walking. I couldn't feel my hands. Mm. My breath started to disappear from me. I started to not even be able to take in air. I'm like, <gasps> kind of like feeling this, this pressure as I'm walking down the pool. And, and again, I prepared for all of this. And yet here I am in this moment where 17,000 people are, are screaming and I couldn't control myself. Mm. And th that's kind of something that, you talk about in, in the book about being able to um, work through those situations, right? Of course. I, I mean, you you put it so perfectly. It happens. I mean, I think it happens to majority of swimmers. It's a matter of fact how you interpret those signals and then how you uh, respond, right? Because mm. um, there's ways of um, instinctively reacting and then getting anxious about it and say, Oh my God, I can't breathe. I can't feel my body. Oh my God, I'm going to mess up. I can't believe it. Um, I'm feeling this way. Why am I feeling this way? This shouldn't be happening. Mm. Uh, um, right. So you can go into this drama and chaos, which leads to more anxiety and, and more uh, physical paralysis. Um, whereas if you, if you kind of are just walking and that's why you train mindfulness is to say, wow, look at this fear flooding my body. I love it. Thank you, fear. I need to have this adrenaline going. Um, you know, fear, you kind of talk to your emotions. You say, hey, you know, I know you think um, I'm about to die, but it's just a pool and it's just a 50 free. Mm. And yeah, it's Olympics. Amazing. Like I'm here. This is what I trained for. I got this. Um, you're focused on the process, um, right? So it's about really uh interpreting the situation what's going on inside of your mind and body in a healthy way um what if thoughts are coming you just let them go right you focus back on your breath but the thing is that um as easy as it sounds this needs to be trained ahead of time mm. right so you can't just think oh i just listened to sarah and you know what i'm gonna do next time i'm gonna do all of these things mm -hmm. um sure but you have to you have to train this every single day so that your brain rewires itself into that mindful response when you need it most right mm -hmm. so that's why um yep. you do the mental training ahead of time otherwise this the the instinctive reaction and this the um the startle effect as you call it in aviation is so strong um that you do really lose control. I mean, I studied the brain mechanisms of how it happens, mm. right? When, when stress, when, when, when the stress is super high, I mean, stress is great for athletes. We need it, but when it's, you know, extreme, it actually blocks your prefrontal cortex. So the part of the brain that helps you plan, that helps you, um, you know, regulate emotions that helps mm. you, uh, practice positive self-talk or shift attention somewhere else. Yeah. which is what ha was happening to me in Sydney at that point in time. Um, you know, it just, it just shut down. But I also had um, an experience in Beijing where one of my athletes won a gold medal in the 50 freestyle. And 
a lot of the time people when you said well you've got to train for this people are like well how would i train for a situation like that and i actually did something with him and i want to talk to you about it in a minute but i, I do want to talk about your performance first because you have this situation in Athens where you're a young kid and you weren't fully prepared and you didn't live up to your own expectations. You didn't swim to the level that you thought you could swim at. But then four years later, you come back and not only do you succeed, there was a couple of things that I noticed that you did really well. First of all, you're in lane four and that's a whole nother pressure. When you're in lane four in the Olympic final, that's another animal that we can talk about as well. So you're in lane four you actually swam your best time in the Olympic final. You you almost win the gold medal. You, you get on the podium, you get second. Um, so you have an outstanding performance. So not only did you come back and, and swim well, you, you you conquered a lot of demons in that one race, you know, like I, like I just talked about. So how were you able to have success under those conditions at that point in time? Yeah. Well, so a lot happened in between. It sounds very, you know, idyllic, like um, four years went by and I came back, you know, uh, killing it. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I had a lot, a lot of challenges going all every single year, every single you know, time we had Europeans or Worlds. The four years in between were super, super tough. I, I, I was supposed to medal in, um, in 2005. We had World Championships in Melbourne and I got... I went into the final second and I, I was kind of expected to, to medal, but then I got fifth. Mm. Two girls were third. And so that, then I was fifth, I think, for a few hundredths of a second. Then going into Melbourne World Champs, I was again uh, supposed to medal in 200 fly because I absolutely hated freestyle. I begged my coach if I can swim fly instead of free. <laughs> um, so I had that whole year of not swimming free. Right. Um, so there was a lot of challenges going into um, the, the Olympics. But what I decided in 2006, and I, I just I was like, you know what? I have the ability to dream and I'm just going to go big. And I figured if I dream, you know, up to here, that's where I'm going to get. And if I dream here, that's probably where somewhere I can get you mm. know, even higher. Um, and I just uh, I actually had a high school friend print out an Olympic medal around my neck. Like he he drew it um on the computer and he told me like print out this picture put it on your wall and i was thinking oh you're a little you're a little crazy but sure so i did that um it was a photo of me <laughs> this olympic medal drawn on paint there there was this program called paint anyways um beijing uh, 2008 was written inside gold medal um i wrote down the world record time 155.0 oh yeah <laughs> i share that story um in my book as well yeah um <laughs> And I yeah. just figured that I I know I can do it. I had the support um, at home. My dad was, uh, you know, just my biggest fan. He would congratulate me on my Olympic medal one year in advance. And we would be celebrating it, pretending it happened. Yeah, even though Beijing Olympics were, you know, next year. Um, so I had, like, I had a very positive mindset with, with the fact that if I can dream, I can do it. I started visualizing my race um, two years before. So I, I would visualize it every other night. And no matter the hardship and you know where I was physically result-wise, I would just keep going back to that movie in my head. And I would even go to the podium and I would imagine the commentator's voice say, and the winner of the Olympic medal representing Slovenia. 
<laughs> and then I would imagine myself in bed um, in winter 2007, uh, winning an Olympic medal. Wow. And tears would, you know, come down my face because I was uh, so vividly living this movie. And even though I still hated freestyle winter 2007, um, I was barely moving. I was kind of burned out. Um, it, it all turned around in March 2008 when I became European champion in 200 free. And then I started believing in myself again. And I was like, okay, now I think I'm on the right track. And then seconds were just... You know, I went from 157, 156, 155, going into Olympics. And then, yeah, lane four, final. Yeah, and, uh, that, that's a different pressure, though. When you're in lane four, that's that's, uh, that's a, there's a realization that comes with that, too, of like, oh, shit, like this is happening right now. Yeah, but you know what was really strange? I know I, I say this a lot, but, um, and it might sound like unreal, but... Um, I practiced this race so many times in my mind that when I got there, I was, I was totally relaxed. I mean, for me, Beijing Olympics was like any other race, you know, in my hometown pool. I just had to do what I had to do. Um, I swam it so many times. I built the confidence going into uh, Beijing. Uh, so, I mean, physically, I felt great mentally. Mentally, I mean, I left the vision out there. It's not like I was thinking about the medal. Mentally, I was just calm. I was um, pumped. Um, the last thing I told myself before before the race was, you know, have fun. But even though, I mean, I visualized this perfect race in my head, you have to know that my last turn on the 150, I missed the wall by, honestly, you know, one centimeter. If I didn't oh, really? touch the wall with my toes, mm. I landed straight, like with my feet straight. Oh, really? Honestly, wow. it it hasn't happened in training. When I was, even when I was a kid, it never happened in competition. It never happened in, in at Worlds, Europeans. And then Beijing Olympic final on my last hundred, like on my last turn, mm. I didn't, I mean, I didn't time it right, right? So I, I went in early and landed with my feet straight. So I lost oh. all the momentum going into my last 50. But I have to say that it happened for a reason. Because um, back then I swam the fastest 50, last 50 in history. I was going to say that because you, you, you swam that last 50 like you were possessed, like you were so hungry. And I'm looking at the girls around you. I'm like, they're no joke. The girls that you just took off from are no joke. Yeah. And you're catching... Pellegrini I'm like people don't catch Pellegrini when she's that far ahead so I'm like you were possessed at that point so there must have been something that happened and so now it makes sense okay you miss the wall yeah. you start to like you know you start to say things to yourself in the water and then um and then you take yeah, that's off that's exactly but... what I did how did you know that yeah <laughs> I've done, I, I've done I it don't curse before. but I cursed the first 10 meters and then I was curse. like okay I yeah. have to get back on track right. I have to do what I need to do and um so yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of training. It was a lot of um, self belief, um, mm. but at the same time, I just understood how important it is to really just let yourself go. I mean, the my body knows what it needs to do. Yeah. Um, no magic really needs to happen. Yeah. Um, and it was my time to enjoy and, of course, be as present as possible. But like I said, that mental training kicked in 
in that moment. And I was able to manage my thoughts and my feelings um, because <laughs> I have to say also this, that um, my warm up leading to the finals, I usually swim a four, four fifty, four, you know, four fifties free. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, you know, progressive. So it was kind of like maybe 30, 29, 28, and maybe a 25 sprint. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Seconds. Um, I swam 32, 31, 30. And then my coach just stopped me and he's like, Sarah, you're okay. And I was thinking my coach never says this and I'm not okay. I just swam three seconds slower, race mm -hmm. pace. <laughs> <laughs> so that was another challenge. And then I went under the shower for around 15 minutes, hot, cold, hot, cold. And I was telling myself, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I got this. I'm okay. Wow. So there was a lot, you know, there's a lot that happens behind the scenes, but again, it's a matter of fact, how do you respond to those moments? Right. And yeah. Well, one of the crucial things I think that I saw right as you walked out and as they announced your name is you were smiling. That's a really difficult thing to do in that situation is just enjoy the moment, smile. And like you said, the last thing you said to yourself was have fun. It's even hard to um, allow yourself to do that at that point in time because you, you are whether you like it or not, even if it's subconsciously, you're thinking, I could be an Olympic gold medalist. I mean, it's in the back of everybody's head, no matter what, especially if you're in lane four at the Olympics. In two minutes, I could have an Olympic gold medal around my neck, you know, whatever it is, or it flashes in your mind or whatever. And to be able to just smile and relax and enjoy that moment, I think was crucial for you too. Definitely, yeah. It's crucial for every athlete. Um... And, and I think that's that's the biggest difference maker at the end, you know, who gets the medal and who doesn't, because as soon as the thought does creep in, wow, you know, this could potentially happen, or maybe it needs to happen. I need this medal. I want this medal. You know, this medal is mine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, any 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 thought of that kind, um, yeah. it puts on pressure. Uh, the body tightens up immediately. Uh, you lose control over over your race strategy, your race plan, because your focus goes elsewhere. You start focusing on where the competition is. And um, yeah, you no longer swim your own race. The body starts falling apart and that's it. I mean, it happened to me many times before, right? So luckily leading up to Beijing, every you know, all the pieces came came together and I was able right. to do that. But after Beijing, I felt a lot of what you just said. Mm swim angelfish swim angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities swim angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism physical disabilities anxiety sensory and motor conditions and more learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with swim angelfish Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. Well, listen, I, I've had my own Olympic experiences. And then so going into Beijing as a coach, I wanted to try and use my experience as a swimmer and what I learned and put that into my athlete who, and one of my athletes was Cesar Cielo, who had never been to the Olympics before. He's a 21-year-old kid. He had dreams of winning the Olympics. He didn't tell everybody else that, but he, between him and I, he wanted to win. 
Um, so he believed he could from the, the first time he went. But so weeks out, we did this exercise and it could be silly, but this is what I did. Okay. So what I asked him to do was um, meet me at a taxi. We were in Macau. So Macau is like a, a, yeah, a Chinese. Um, uh, yeah, it's like Chinese Vegas, right? Yeah. yeah. So we got, we, we met at a taxi and I said, I asked the taxi driver to take us to the busiest street in Macau. And so he, he dropped us down in the middle of the city and there's people everywhere. I mean, it's just, it's packed, right? And we saw this long path. And so what I said to him, we, we came to the, the bottom of the path. And what I said to him is, I want you to walk down this path. And as you walk down the path, I want you to focus in on your race. I want you to visualize your race. I want you to be in the ready room. I want you to walk out. I want you to, you know, put your suit on. I want you to, um, you know, stand behind the blocks. I want you to swim the event. But as you're doing all of this, we're going to walk down the street. And so as we're walking down the street, he's kind of bumping into people. And I can see he's kind of, kind of forcing himself into the kind of like this visualization. But something kind of magical happened as we kept walking further and further. And I asked him to go deeper and deeper into his visualization he started to avoid people and people started to avoid him and, and it started to open up. And from before where he was, where he was moving past people, he was actually just walking in a straight line and people started to get out of his way. And he got into this very um, intense zone and, and people just moved away from him. It was a very interesting experience uh, to say the least and it lasted probably about 10 minutes. And we walked for about 10 minutes where he did this visualization down this busy street and the reason why I did that is because I wanted him to experience that crowd. And it's very difficult oh. to replicate the crowd in that moment where you're supposed to be very focused and intense, and yet you've got all these things going on around you. And so we just did this simple exercise of walking down the street in this crowded area and visualizing at that point in time. And it's something that he told me later that helped him immensely when he got to Beijing and was able to then perform in front of the crowd. Was, was that wow. a good thing? Yeah, I got chills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was that's fabulous i wish everyone had coaches like you well it was just it was from my experience i was like how can i replicate this crowd yeah. experience because it was something that i noticed in myself and it's not something you know we go to training and there's no one in the stands no one watching yeah. us especially in the lead up to the olympics you're trying to be secretive and so there's nobody around for for weeks and weeks maybe even months and then all yeah. of a sudden you're in this environment where there's thousands of people everywhere and it's, yeah. uh, it's like an overload of stress, mm -hmm. you know, um, information is coming in and you're trying to, like you said, you were running around the village at 16, signing autographs and taking photos with people. I had a very similar experience in Sydney, even at the age of 25, but, um, so that was yeah. kind of one thing. And I mean, then, that's why, yeah, sorry. That's why, uh, yeah. uh, you know, pilots have simulator exams, uh, right. simulator exam. yeah, yes. they have exams and they do sim training yep. to simulate as the same kind of environment, yes. you know, things that would happen in real life and they have to learn how to respond in those moments so for swimmers what you just said is fabulous um and when i was training uh, uh in berkeley uh swimming for the cal women swim team uh terry mckeever was amazing at uh, making us comfortable in the midst of chaos and mm -hmm. uh, we did lots of uh, different things as well you know we swam in the ocean and we had to um maintain that stillness and calmness in the you know ocean water and you know use the waves but at the same time um you know take care of our technique so that we wouldn't 
you know, get chaotic with swimming as the ocean got chaotic. Um, mm. She made us uh, walk around the pool lots of different times so that we would get really familiar with every single part of the pool. You know, she would make us stand on, on the blocks and just look down and around mm -hmm. and, and, you know, soak in the environment as much mm. as possible so that when you do come in for a race, it's a familiar space. Mm, yeah. 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 You can mentally prepare for the environment. You can find ways. And I love that ocean thing of like being in a kind of unstable aquatic environment okay. and, and trying to find stability. That's what I would do as well with my athletes in, in terms of putting them in situations where you can re replicate. There's some sort of stress around you that you have to find relaxation in and you have to yeah. find a center in. Um, and that's another good way. I like that. Um, one of the other things I read um, in, in the handbook as well is you wrote, if you cannot manage your thoughts, um, you cannot control your actions. And I love that too. And, and we had another experience in Beijing where kind of like what you said, where uh, you were warming up and just weren't feeling it. Caesar was actually feeling terrible before warm up one day at, in Beijing. It was actually the first time we went to to swim in the main competition pool. And I think stress was was getting to him. He was, he was looking around and seeing all his competitors for the first time. And he started to tell me, I feel, I feel terrible today. I feel terrible today. And, and I just, I was like, okay, we've got to control this. We've got to pull this back. We've got to get some control. And so one of the things I said to him, is like, all right, for warm up, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a 400, which is pretty normal, but I want you to stop every 50. And at the end of the wall, when you get to the 50 meter end, I want you to pick a word of positivity, some type of word that makes you feel a certain way. Let's say it's strength. You know, strength, mm -hmm. when you think of the word strength, you visualize a certain thing, you feel a certain thing. And so what I want you to do is I want you to bob up and down 10 times and I want you to say strength. And it just got him to say strength, strength, strength. And then I want you to push off and I want you to turn your brain off and not think anything at all. Just swim. And then when you get to the other end, I want you to pick another word. Or if you like that word, you can say it again. And you can repeat that word over and over again or pick a different word and say power or powerful. And he would bob up and down and say powerful. And so we did this for 400. And then at the end of it, I said, okay, how do you feel now? And he's like, I feel a lot better. I'm like, okay, good. Now let's get back on to swimming our, our, our set, you know, and preparing for the Olympics. And so that was just okay. a way to kind of recenter everything again. Amazing. That's perfect. I think you could co-write a book with me, <laughs> with, with honestly, I mean it. Um, it's so empowering when you have a coach that can, in those moments, you know, um, get you out of your mind into your body or having repeat a mantra or a positive self-affirmation. Or um, I call, you know, I feel like athletes give, we give ourselves a lot of these goals with, with regards to the result, you know, this 50 needs to be 33 and this 50 needs to be 32 and this one, you know, but uh, we forget about the how, you know, how are we going to get to the result? And it's so sometimes powerful to, you know, give yourself a mantra or the strength or the calmness, the ease, um, get your, get yourself in a, in, in this space where, you know, you're thinking that you're a ballerina or an ice skater. I mean, I'm watching <laughs> winter olympics mm. now and the mm. ice skating is phenomenal you know it, it just looks so so elegant effortless um and where whatever mental space you can tap into so that 
you know your body can then follow is is a perfect um, solution so congrats on that yeah and well i just wanted to say the the attitude goal would be you know for those 50s how am i gonna with what kind of feeling do i want to now you know swim or um um so you know i i would give myself attitude goals in practice and i would say okay you know it's um 10 300s pull Mm. And maybe it's a little bit boring, but, um, you know, how do I now want to swim this set? You know what? The first uh, two, three hundreds, I am just going to be as calm, as present as possible. I'm just going to listen to the bubbles. The next 300, I'm going to imagine the water is super thick like Nutella. And I'm just, you know, pulling, I mean, grabbing a lot of this water. Actually, the water's pushing on me. So, I'm, you know, I'm finding it difficult to... Um, to pull, but all that, all that um, uh, feeling that I have in my in my arms and the paddles um, are allowing me to cover more distance. And then, you know, the next um, two three hundreds, I would think about my legs. I would only think about my legs, even though I'm pulling. I'm thinking about my legs, that they're you know toned, that they're long, that my um, there's you know energy through my legs. Um, I would imagine them being super light, like a feather. Um, so there's so many different techniques that swimmers can actually use um, in situations that you just explained. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love the use of thoughts to change the way you feel. Looking to host your first swim meet or replacing an old timing system? Run a swim meet with ease from your laptop using superior swim timing. You can use superior swim timing with your existing equipment, or they can provide you with a complete timing solution, including deck harnesses, buttons, and starter. SST is fully compatible with HiTech and Team Unify, as well as Colorado, Dactronics, and Amiga touchpads. Go to superiorswimtiming.com to learn more and be sure to tell them I sent you. I did have another experience, one other experience in Beijing that was fairly powerful as well. Um, we were on the Brazilian team. I was part of the Brazilian team. And for some reason in Beijing, they gave us kind of like this winter jacket. I'm not sure why it was part of the uniform, but you know what it was like in Beijing. It was uh, extremely hot in Beijing mm -hmm. during that period of time. But they gave us this winter jacket. And um, Caesar kept telling me, my body doesn't feel good. I feel terrible. I said, well, just start to change the way you think. And it'll change the way you feel. He's like, I can't change the way I feel based on what I think. And I'm, of course you can, like you're in control of that. You, whatever thoughts you're putting in is going to make you feel a certain way. He's like, no, I can't change the, I feel terrible. I'm going to feel terrible. That's it. There's nothing I can do. And so this really bothered me. And I, and I was trying to think to myself, like, what can I do? What can I do? So what I did is um, I met him at the bus to go to the pool. And I think from your memory, it might've been about a 20 minute bus ride, let's say. Yeah from the the village to the pool and i met him at the bus stop and i had the winter jacket on and on this particular day it was really hot i mean it was like 45 degrees celsius so it's like 110 and i had this winter jacket on he's like what are you doing with the jacket? what are you doing with the jacket on come on man i was like i feel i kind of feel sick like i feel like i'm feeling sick uh i feel like i'm getting a, a cold or something you know and uh he's like really he's like yeah i've got to go to the pool and see the doctor so for the next 20 minutes, I was on the bus with this really hot jacket on. People are everywhere on the bus. It was packed. You couldn't move. So I'm standing up 
I'm sweating like crazy on with this jacket on. But if you remember in Beijing, they had you could see the mountains in the distance. And in the mm -hmm. distance, I imagine that there was snow on the mountains. And I can't remember if there were snow on the mountains, but I imagine there was snow on the mountains. And so as I looked out of the bus for the next 20 minutes, what I did is I put myself in the mountains and I imagined myself in the snow. So I took myself from this hot environment. I put myself in a cold environment. And what I wanted to do is I, could, I wanted to see if I could change the way I felt based on what I was mm -hmm. thinking. So as we're, as we're driving, I went from sweating to actually by the end of the bus ride, I was actually shivering. I was cold. I had stopped sweating and I was actually shivering. Yeah. And he could see it in me. He's like, oh, man, you are sick. You're, you're getting really sick. Like, we've got to go see the doctor. Because I, at this point, I'm shivering cold. And, um, and it was amazing to me how over the course of 20 minutes, I could go from sweating to freezing based on what I was thinking and putting myself in this situation. And so we got off the bus. I took the jacket off. I'm like, I'm not sick. But it was an example of me changing the way I think. And he was like, man, you're crazy. There's something wrong with you. Like you're this, you are really sick. I was like, maybe I'm sick, but I'm like, I just proved to you that you can change wow. the way you feel based on what mm. you think. And you can actually change your body's responses to those things too. You can, you yeah. have control over the, what your body actually responds to as well. So it was yeah. a very powerful moment for me. Beijing was like this episode in psychology wow. for us. You know? Wow. I see. Yeah. I mean, you should be so proud of yourself. It takes, yeah, it takes a brilliant mind to to do that. But you know, it, it's athletes that I work with, I tell them, your body language will affect the way you feel, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't, if you don't believe that thoughts affect the way you feel or the imagery in your mind, just try with body language. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it's and I mean, I got this lesson at Cal again, but. <laughs> girls on the pool deck when it was freezing cold outside in California. I'm not freezing, but yeah, in California, it still gets cold in winter. Yeah. We, we weren't allowed to stand like this. You kind of like nearly got sent home if you were standing like this. So, <laughs> so, right. So, um, it's, but it's so empowering going from here, mm -hmm. right. Cause you're, you're actually telling your, your body first, you're telling your body, he's like, mm -hmm. I'm cold. Okay. And then the body's like, Oh my God, I guess you're really cold. Mm -hmm. And then that, you know, amplifies the thinking. I'm cold. I'm going to freeze. This isn't fair. Why are we standing outside in the middle of mm -hmm. winter? Um, right. But she would, she would make, you know, she would make us put our arms down mm -hmm. and we had to stand super tall and super confident. And our bodies were telling us I'm warm. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it works. I mean, yep. it works. It works. Um, uh, and, 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 so it's it's just crazy how how you can really manipulate your internal environment with where your attention is and your imagery yep. and your thoughts and 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 body language and yeah. and breathe and breathing and you know um, there's a lot we can do and yep. swimmers feel so powerless. Mm -hmm. many, I mean, many times and across mm -hmm. the planet, there are a lot of swimmers which let themselves suffer like this, you know, and swimmers, I love the way that you said, you know, I just feel terrible and I'm now I'm going to swim terrible and yeah. everything is shit. And yeah. sorry, but yeah. <laughs> um, um, and swimmers are so good at judging. I don't feel good in the water. Now I'm not going to yeah. swim in the water. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that first jump, it's like, yeah, I know. I know mm -hmm. that um, you, we have this feeling 
wow, I'm super light. I love it. You know, I have, I'm, I'm moving. I'm powerful. I'm strong. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. sometimes you're just like, ugh. And we're so, and the judging is very, very, um, uh, what should I say? Um, uh, well, it's just not healthy and it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking for a, for a better word, but <laughs> it's very detrimental yeah. um, to, you know, to performance because then you're taking this judgment into the actual performance. The results, the results show it. Yeah. You take it out of the pool into getting yourself dressed up, yeah. the worries in the head. I'm not feeling good. Why am I not feeling good? Oh my God, my body is so heavy. I mm -hmm. thought I was going to feel fresher. Mm -hmm. um, right. And then all of that eventually leads to how I approach my race and how I carry it out. And I have to say that honestly, like before Beijing, fine, before my final, which was at 9 a.m. Beijing time, because um, that whole year we had to, you know, reschedule our mm -hmm. timing in the morning, we had to swim our fastest. Um, I, it was one of the worst mm, feelings I had in the water in my entire career. Mm -hmm. My body was so heavy. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's what you do in those moments. And you, as an individual, you have to step up and like you did, <laughs> is try all those different techniques to get yourself out of that, you know, negative spiral. Yeah. Well, you know, unfortunately in swimming, we kind of have this built-in excuse of, I miss my taper. You know, like I did all this work and I missed my taper. And to me, it's, it's BS. It's like, that's nonsense. And, and most of what you felt at that point in time, I bet, was pressure. You know, the feeling of heaviness is a feeling of pressure generally. You know, yeah. when, when you feel like, oh, wow, it's, it's today. You know, like what I always yeah. tell my athletes, do you remember the day that, do you remember the specific date that you won your medal? What was the date? Yeah, it was 13th of August. Okay, thirteenth um, of August. Yeah, nine a.m. Right, thirteenth of August, nine a.m. They're not changing that because you woke up heavy that day. You know, you wake up and they say, "Hey, Sarah, how do you feel today?" I, I don't feel very good today. Okay, let's let's move it till tomorrow. Nobody, nobody's moving the date. You know, the date is the date. It's set. Yeah. The two hundred freestyles going off, thirteenth of August, nine a.m. Whether you're there or not, and I always tell my athletes is, um, we have control of how we feel on that day it's not a it's not a coin toss you don't cost to, uh, toss a coin and hope that you wake up that day feeling good yeah what you want to do is guarantee on that day that no matter what is you're ready to race and we've seen this in many mm -hmm. facets if you watch any sports at any point in time yeah. tennis yeah i love you, tennis they overcome yeah. all the time right yeah all the time and it's about what you make you know happen in that moment and um mm -hmm. And, but again, I don't, I don't judge swimmers because they don't have the, they don't have the equipment. They don't have the skills, right. how to manage those moments. They don't, right. you know, if you can't manage your internal environment, how are you going to take control and, and right. then perform? Right. Um, so it's unfortunate, um, but that's why, that's why we're here to talk about those topics. And, and I think, I mean, I'm, not I think I I fully believe and that's why I think I'm on this planet <laughs> is to make psychology fun and relatable and practical mm -hmm. and tangible um, so that you know every swimmer can say okay wow you know I I can open my toolbox and I have all the tools I need 
to manage the situation. But at the end of the day, it's all about self-regulation. And um, it was beautiful how in the lab where I did brain research, we were looking at the brain mechanisms that it all it comes down to is self-regulation. Self-regulation is resilience. But self-regulation doesn't you know, come about if you're not mindful. You have to have this mindfulness center lit up in the brain so that it, so that you're aware, so that you're conscious, awake, and you say, uh-huh, wow, this is what's happening to me right now. My body is tight. Okay, you know, well, okay, just awareness. My body is tight. I'm breathing shallow. My mm -hmm. face is tight. Why am mm -hmm. I holding tension in my face? Mm -hmm. Where are my thoughts? Where's my focus? Uh-huh, wow, look at this emotion trying to creep in um, and, you know, take control over my body. Um, look at my posture millions of things right yeah. so it's about that awareness and then you say uh-huh cool i got it i'm sensing it i'm noticing it and now because i'm aware i can choose how how i'm going to respond right. right and then and then comes that self-regulation you know in place yeah um, i mean it comes to fruition so um yeah it's not just for swimmers it's healthy for every individual on this planet I, mean, I agree I work, yeah I, agree. I work with I work with top performers but um, now it's popular in business and and I mean for every job um, and every human needs a little bit of mindfulness in their life just so that they learn how to stay present and a little bit more calm or productive focus whatever it is you need but if you're yeah. not aware you cannot respond in a healthy yeah. way well, I love that you've put it into uh, a training program, a manual here. Where can where can people find this? Where can we get it? Yeah, so I sell it on my webpage, sarahisakovic.com. Um, and uh, for your for everyone that's listening right now, um, there's a discount, and the <laughs> discount code is Brett is best. Brett is, Brett best. is best. Brett is yeah. best. Okay. I I I left out the the the, the, the Brett is the best. But Brett is best. We're gonna put it also in um in your I guess in the commentary wherever you. Yeah, we'll put um, it up. Uh, yeah, Brett podcast. is best. Twenty five percent off the program. So oh, excellent. Um, wow. whoever is listening, uh, Brett is best. All right, I let's get that going. I just came up with this discount code, but I think I like it. Um, I like it. Brett is best. 25% off the program. It's awesome. Like I said, I've gone through it. Yeah, you'll see. It's um, very helpful. Um, and again, I have all the mental training recordings. Um, they come with, they come with uh, the program. You can scan the QR code um, or go to my SoundCloud account between two lanes. But it's all there. Um, I, I saw it on best. your Instagram too. What's your Instagram handle? It's Sarah3Ice. So S-A-R-A, -A, number three, and then ice. Ice, okay. Sarah3Ice, yeah. S-A-R-A-3-Ice. Um, okay, yeah, get on there and you can, there's a link to the program too if you're looking for well, that. thank we'll, you. We'll put all the yeah. links up here as well. But um, uh, this is awesome. I love it. Um, yeah, I could talk. I could talk psychology all day. I mean, there's a lot of coaches that are heavy on the physiology. I'm much more heavy on the psychology. I think that, um, you know, you can have the best prepared athlete and on the day, 
it can it can all go to a, a complete mess unless you've done a program like this or you've done some preparation or you've done some mental training everything can just go out the window um on on one thought or one feeling and uh sure. the whole the whole cycle is gone you know and um yeah. so this is this is outstanding tell me this for all the, the ignorant people like myself okay where is slovenia <gasps> i mean i, I know well, i mean it. i know kind oh God, of but I can't, like, whoever hasn't been in slovenia not because i love my home country um i'm, I'm also half serbian but slovenia is a little gem mm. <laughs> so we have italy um, so if you're looking at, I don't know, the world map, right? We have Italy on the left and then uh -huh. you have, so Italy, Austria, Hungary, Croatia, uh -huh. they all border our tiny little country that has 2 million people. You drive through it in two hours. We have beautiful mountains and lakes and waterfalls. And then you go a little bit further down and you're at the seaside and then we have a cute capital city and anyways. Google Slovenia, you're all welcome here. Whoever comes here and wants to, you know, grab a coffee, <laughs> let me know. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But um, Lake Bled, come and swim in Lake Bled, swimmers. Um, the U.S. actually comes a lot to uh, Bled for open water um, mm. training camps. Um, so it's quite, quite popular. What about but, yeah, the food of choice? I love food. So give me a, give me a <gasps> food of choice. Food, yes. Soups. Uh, I love soup. I mean, you can get everything here, but it's, you know, it's kind of, it's a mixture of all those countries that I just uh, mm. um, mentioned. Um, so we have, you know, we have the schnitzels and the, and the potatoes and the bratwurst and, you know, if you go, so, cause I'm from, I'm from the part of Slovenia that very closely borders Austria. So we're very influenced by that area. If you go down to the coast, um, they're influenced by Italy. So there's a lot of pasta there. <laughs> mm. Depends where you go, but you can find lots of good food. Yeah. Are you, oh, you said there's only 2 million. So like after you won your medal, were you like a superstar? What do you mean were? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. So you're still a superstar? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, you know, been so far the only swimming medal. And I have to say, really, I think, wow. Yeah. Uh, wow. Half of the country woke up at 4 a.m. to watch me race. Yeah. Wow. 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 That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. So, well, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate you, you coming on and, and sharing your story. Incredible story. Uh, I mean, the only medalist in, in history is incredible, but. I guess you're an inspiration now to the younger kids and trying to get them to follow in your footsteps. And I'm glad you've given us all kind of a guide that we can follow now on, on how to perform at our best. So uh, thanks for doing this, Sarah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I just have, I have to mention one more thing that last year uh, when I started following you and listening to your podcast, I said, Brett is going to call me next year or text me next year. So I kind of put it down on my vision board. So thanks for making my wish come true. You did, and I did, and I'm a believer in that too. Whatever you put yeah. out in the universe is going to come back, and uh, I'm I'm with you on that. Good for you. Yeah, you're like the Oprah Winfrey of the swimming world. So I'm very <laughs> honored that um, I got to spend time with you, and I wish you all the best and keep doing what you're doing. You're amazing at it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. We'll keep Thank in you. touch. Oh, right, we will. All right, take care. Bye. Event heat lane name of swimmer, times and places.
It's called Swim Nerd Live, and it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart TV, phone, or other device. There are so many things you can do with this software. A very simple and easy to use necessity for any team or facility that is live streaming their meets results. One click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more.